Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Unleashed, the fastest hour on the internet. Thank you to everyone who's joining us, where we're bringing you interesting guests who talk about interesting topics, all in the name of helping you become a better leader. And this show was created for anybody that has a growth mindset. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Tetz, the CEO of a company called Results, where we believe if you can't execute, you can't grow. And we have a proven framework for helping businesses grow faster and more sustainably. And it's so good to be back. Where did the summer go? It was, uh, it was as fast uh, as, as ever. My summer beard is gone and everyone's back to work. And we have got a terrific lineup of guests for season two. We're going to be running nine episodes. And a new feature this season is that you can actually register for a season pass, which makes it easier to get all of the episodes right into your calendar so you don't miss a single one. Over 265 people have already registered for a season pass, which is phenomenal, and that number is growing daily. And it's gonna be a jam-packed fall. In addition to the Unleashed episodes, we're also running a half-day leadership event on October 29th called Bex Exchange, and I'm gonna tell you more about that at the end of the show. Over 300 people registered for that already. And when the show is over, uh, we really rely on feedback. It informs who we book on future episodes, what we tweak and improve, what we change, what we keep. So when you leave the show today, please click the leave meeting button and then click the continue button, which is going to take you directly to the feedback page. And anybody that fills out the feedback form today is going to be entered into a draw for a $50 gift card. And if you have uh, questions for Michelle, our special guest today, make sure you put them in the special Q&A box. And if we don't get to your questions or you have other thoughts and comments to share, you can always get a hold of us at info at unleashedresults.com. And we promise we will get back to you promptly. And uh, if you enjoy the show today, the biggest way that you can help us is word of mouth. That's how this show grows. It's Twitter, it's LinkedIn, it's telling your colleagues over, over your Zoom meetings uh, what a great time you had and everything that you learned, and we really appreciate that. Now on with today's show. So I am just so delighted uh, to be uh, joined by the very engaging Michelle Ann Johnson. Now Michelle is a communication consultant that helps leaders and teams become influential speakers so they will maximize key opportunities, make a greater impact, and ultimately inspire people to action She's an accomplished Hollywood actress. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that today. And she's performed everything from Shakespeare to stand-up comedy and has guest starred in a number of top TV shows, which includes Friends, my all-time favorite, CSI, and Modern Family. And as a consultant, she has worked internationally as a facilitator and executive speaking coach and specializes in helping leaders at all levels prepare for high visibility presentations and keynotes. Her passion is really about helping people find joy in sharing their voices. Isn't that wonderful? Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. Such a pleasure to be here. We're so glad to have you uh, all the way from California. Now, I realized this morning as I was getting ready, uh, we actually have a celebrity, uh, a celebrity encounter in common, Jamie Foxx. <laughs> yes, Jamie Foxx, yeah. So I did the Jamie Foxx show I think it was maybe one of, if not the first professional acting gigs I, I did that way back in like 1996, 1997. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And our, our interactions with him are a little bit different, of course. You appeared on his show. You were invited. Uh, I met him in a, a gym of a hotel in Denver three years ago and stalked him for an hour as we both worked out 
So uh, very, very different, but I thought that was kind of funny. So uh, Michelle, you have such an interesting background. Uh, I've just been fascinated uh, learning more about you as, as we've, uh, as we were getting ready for today's episode. So, uh, you know, you, you spent you know, tw- the better part of 20 years as an actress and you also manage corporate teams. So if anything you could have done in the next phase of your life, why did you decide to get into this particular area? You know, this is really such a great fit for me. It brings together all of my different skill sets. So, you know, I, I had this career as an actor, you know, I came out of the womb. I, you know, as a performer, I just, it's just something, it's just a natural talent that I think I have. And I've always done it. Uh, started doing it in high school and then professionally. I just found myself on movie sets and TV shows and things like that. But here's the thing, Jeff. So while I was an actor, I was also a manager at the same time. So I had a corporate day job. And then on my lunch breaks, I would go drive somewhere and audition for a part on a TV show and then come back to work and manage teams. And then, you know, after work, I would go to a theater and do a play and get home at 11 o'clock at night and wake up and do it all over again. So I was always in both these worlds at the same time. Um, And so I saw how acting really benefited me in the corporate environment and not in ways that I think people think about. It's like, oh, of course you're an actor, you can perform, but there are a set of intangibles that I really got uh, from being a performer that are directly applicable to leadership and being in a corporate environment. I mean, I learned resilience. You, know, you, you how many auditions do you go on when you get before you get that yes? So there are lots of embarrassments, lots of humiliations that you've just got to dust yourself off and get back on the horse and and you know try it again. I learned you know, when you're an actor, you don't get a whole lot of time to prepare for those auditions. Your agent or your manager will call you and say, hey, you've got this audition tomorrow. And they will send you a set of scenes and you've got to make very quick decisions, uh, not a whole lot of time, not a whole lot of information, uh, right? Applicable to a leadership uh, role. And you've got to make some, some decisions and you've got to stand by it. You've got to be able to uh, not be afraid to be seen and, and get comfortable in ambiguous situations, very applicable and relevant to being a leader in a corporate environment. And so I really credit a lot of those skills that I developed as an actor just through the process of acting, uh, of auditioning um, with my success in the corporate environment. Yeah, then, that makes a lot. Well, yeah. Michelle, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I can I can certainly see the, uh, the the parallels, and I and I think when it comes to leadership, uh, one of the important aspects of it is you have to be able to get a group of people moving in a in a clear direction. And if you can't do that, uh, you may just be a person in charge of people, but you're not necessarily a leader. And so my hope today, I know you have a framework, and, and I'm and I'm really uh, interested and excited to, to dive into that more. Uh, but my uh, my hope here is that the people tuning in uh, are are going to be sort of sent out into the world with a whole new set of skills on how to get better at influencing the people that they're interacting with uh, on on a daily basis. And I know you talk about the importance of what you call spotlight opportunities. What is a spotlight opportunity, and why why are they important? Yeah, spotlight opportunities. So there's a distinction between when you're communicating one on one 
in an informal conversation and when you're speaking one to many. And so those one to many situations where you're speaking for an extended period of time, it could be five minutes, 10 minutes, it could be an hour, but when you are the one who is in the spotlight and all eyes are on you and you have everyone's attention and your job is to share a message that motivates and influences and inspires, that is a spotlight opportunity. Got it. And so, yeah. And, and so I've seen, from what I've seen, there, there seems to be a, a, yeah, a belief that because we talk all the time, you know, I talk all day long. I'm talking on the phone, I'm in meetings. Uh, I've been talking about this particular subject matter for the last 20 years. So I can just get up and wing it in those spotlight opportunities. Sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't work out. Yeah. And, and Michelle, when it doesn't work out, what, like, what, what are there consequences that we're not often aware of that are at play here? I think it really, it's about that credibility piece. So the, the title of this episode is Building Credibility and Influencing Others. It's really about understanding how, how people um, see you as credible. So a lot of that is your experience. It's your CV. It's, you know, what's on your resume. Absolutely, that builds your credibility. But it's also about how people experience you. It's about how people feel when they're with you. It's about whether or not they understand your message, whether or not they're walking away from that message going, oh, you know what? What that person said, yeah, that really resonated with me. I think I'm going to do things differently. And so I've seen people, really, really great, talented leaders who absolutely have that CV, right? You know, their, they, their bio gets read before they walk out on that stage and you're like, wow, this person's amazing. And then they open their mouth and you can tell, oh, they haven't prepared. Okay. And they start to stutter and they start to stammer and they start to ramble and they start to, right? And, and suddenly their, their credibility that was up here because we heard their amazing bio, suddenly it starts to take a hit. And so it's just about becoming aware that people are looking at you when you are a leader. And especially when you're in a spotlight opportunity where people are like, oh, I get a chance to, to connect with, with my leader. You know, they want, to, they want you to do well. They want to be inspired by you. And, and so, you know, really taking advantage of those opportunities, first of all, preparing, you know, and really thinking through the message that you want to communicate and thinking about your presence, thinking about your delivery, thinking about charisma, all those things that we're going to dive into today. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. And I know, I know for myself and lots of others, preparing for uh, any kind of talk or presentation, whether it's in front of 300 people, 30 people, or even three people can be nerve wracking and daunting. And, and it can seem a little bit confusing on what are the elements that you have to have in it? What, what do you have to prepare for? And you have really done a nice job of breaking it down into simple steps that people can just fill in the blanks, I would say. And, and the first part of that, you refer to a presentation trifecta. And so what are the three parts of the trifecta? I'm curious for us to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, the trifecta. So, you know, this really mirrors my experience as an actor. You know, when I was preparing for auditions and parts and things like that, first you start with the script. What are the lines? What are the words that I have to say? What's the story that I'm a part of that I'm trying to communicate here? And then you layer on the delivery. What am I doing with my eyes, my voice, my face? How am I communicating the emotional tone, the emotional message of this script? And then 
you layer on the charisma piece. And charisma is really about your belief in your personal power. That's what I've come to believe charisma really is. Yeah. I think everybody has inherent personal power. It's whether or not you believe it. And the extent that you are walking into that situation, believing that you can make an impact. And so this is a really, really crucial piece of preparing for a spotlight opportunity. Uh, you know, I've seen people not get promotions or not get opportunities, not because of their competence at their role. Absolutely. They're bringing in money for the organization. They're really good at what they do, but their leaders weren't confident that if they put them in the room with a client that they could command the room. And so this charisma piece is really important. Right. And I know that we're going to talk uh, a bit more about charisma later in the, uh, later in the show. So in, in addition, uh, in addition to the trifecta, Michelle, you also have, which is an interesting acronym, uh, when it comes to crafting the message part of it. And I think often that is the, that's where the bulk of the work takes place is what do I really want to get across? What are the important elements? Uh, those kinds of pieces. So when it comes to crafting and creating the message that's really going to resonate with the audience, wow, can we walk through that? And you call it ORN, I think, is the acronym that you use. But can, we, can you walk us through that and how we might actually apply that to a real life example? Yes, I do call it. I call it ORN. And ORN stands for Old State Obstacle Resolution New State. Now, this is, this is a framework that's based on a basic storytelling structure. And I know that there's been a lot of talk around storytelling uh, in corporate environments now. Um, we understand the power of storytelling, that it's, it's basically in our DNA. It's human beings' preferred way of sending and receiving information is through stories. We've passed down culture through stories. We, you know, we, we're watching up to six hours of, of TV a day. So no doubt that storytelling is how we prefer to receive information. Now, when I hear people talking about storytelling now, they're usually talking about telling distinct stories, like incorporating a personal story into your presentation or incorporating a testimonial uh, you know, about a success story with a client into your presentation. Absolutely, storytelling in that, in that sense is important. But I'm also thinking about how can you think about your entire presentation as a story? How can you use a narrative structure for your entire presentation that's gonna give it cohesion, that's gonna tie all of the ideas together into a nice through line, a nice thread, instead of Frankensteining different ideas together. You know, you know what I'm talking about, Jeff, where you're, you're sitting and you're listening to somebody and you're like, how does that fit here and how does that fit there? Um, and you know, having a structure, a framework where all the ideas flow in a logical progression from one to the next. And so this is, this is what ORN is all about, Old State Obstacle Resolution New State. And this is a framework that you've seen in almost every movie, almost every TV show, you know, it's boy meets girl, that's the old state, boy loses girl, obstacle, disruption, chaos, boy wins girl back, resolution, and then new state, they live happily ever after, right? You've seen this in the 30 second commercials, follow this structure. Uh, if you start to look for it, you know, you, you see a young man, he's getting ready for a date. That's the old state. And then he looks in the mirror and he's got a pimple on his face. Ah, obstacle. What's he going to do? 
And then what is the resolution? What's the solution or the plan of action? He gets the latest zit cream and he puts it on his pimple, right? <laughs> and then the new state, you see him and he's out on a date and he's having fun and he's confident. So this is everywhere. This is the basic narrative structure. And You're making me very self-conscious right now, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, there is something, what is that on? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so if you can use the structure, as your, you know, every, a lot of people, they, they will sit down and they'll outline what they want to say, but the outline often doesn't have a narrative structure to it. It's just, again, it's but, uh, you know, pieces of information without any clear through line. If you use this framework as your outline, it guarantees that it'll have a narrative structure. And as you see here also, the old state and the obstacle, that's the problem statement. What are you trying to do? Or what have you done? And what's getting in the way? What's blocking it? What's disrupting the status quo? And then the resolution in the new state, what do we gotta do to solve it? And what are the benefits if we do this? What are the benefits? And that's really important for people. I know it, we're, we're talking about influence as well, Jeff. And yeah. influence for me is really getting people to walk out and do something differently, right? It's yeah. getting people to walk away and start doing something they're not already doing, continue doing something they're, they're doing, or stop doing something. That's really what influence is all about. And without this kind of a message, a framework for a message that's really focused on the influence piece, you run the risk of doing a lot of talking without it translating into action. Right, yeah. And I think it would be helpful if we walk through um, an example, Michelle, and I think, we have, uh, I think we have a slide that actually shows a bit of an example for this. To, uh, and this is a good one that many of us are going through and experiencing right now. Maybe walk us through this example. But I'm hoping that people that are watching along right now are able to think of a situation they've either just experienced or maybe they've got a presentation or some kind of an important group meeting coming up in the next week or two, they can start to actually apply this uh, right in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So in this example, like you said, you know, we're all having to do uh, deal with virtual meetings. So what's, what's the situation? What are we, what are we facing? Well, we, we have to have virtual meetings. That's the old state, right? But what's getting in the way? What's disrupting the situation? having a lot of technical problems. That's our obstacle. So what do we have to do here? I want to share some best practices. And then what's the benefit? What gets better, faster, cheaper, safer, easier? We get more accomplished. Right. So right. you can see just, just, this is a story. It's a basic story. And basically everything that you are gonna talk about in your presentation, you're either gonna be talking about some aspect of your old state. Why are we having virtual meetings now? What's the context? You're, you're gonna be talking about the nature of the obstacle. What are, what are the technical problems we're having? What, is, what does that look like? You're gonna be talking about the resolution. You know, what's our, what's our course of action? What are we going to be putting into place, those best practices? And then what's the benefit? We get, more, we get more accomplished. What kinds of things do we get accomplished? How much time do we win back if we're not, you know, fussing around with the, uh, the technical problems on, our, on, on our, our virtual meetings? 
The other benefit, if you look at that resolution, the resolution is your objective. And your objective, having a clear objective is so important when it comes to influence. It's your objective is what you want people to go out and do. And, and I just want to take a, a minute on the importance of clarifying objectives, Jeff, because I think it's really important to, to influence. Um, so I said before, it, my definition of influence is getting people to start doing something, continue doing something, or stop doing something. That is focused on a tangible behavior. And often when I, hear, when I ask people, what's your objective? What do you want people to do? They'll start talking about, well, I want to say, here's what I want to say. Yeah. Or they'll start going into the agenda. So what we're going to do is I'm going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. No. Okay. That's great. So what are people going to do as a result of that? And it's like, Oh, huh. I don't know. I don't know how I translate what I want to say to the impact I want to have on my audience. Yeah. So really being clear about what is it I want people to walk away and do. And then the beauty of the ORN is you actually create your whole message around your objective, around achieving your objective. Yeah. How often should the objective be clearly stated or it's, it's understated and subtle, but the process and the prep that you've gone through yourself is going to get people to an objective perhaps without them even knowing that's what it was. Yeah. You know, I think it depends on your audience and it depends on your objective. If you have a really clear call to action that you need people to do, you know, I, so we are instituting this new process or this new initiative. So when we are done, the next time you log on, uh, go to this website or go to this, right. You, you need to give people clear direction. Um, and that's the purpose of your, of your presentation is to give people clear direction and clear instruction. You, you want that objective to be very explicit. If you're talking to a customer or a client, you know, you're building relationship, you might want to be a little more subtle with that. You know, yeah. your, your, uh, your objective of, I want to get them to buy my stuff. You're not, <laughs> you're, you're going to be a little more nuanced about that. Yeah. <laughs> please hire me, right? Give me money. Those kinds of objectives, you're going to be a little more subtle. That being said, I do feel like people are afraid to really ask for what they want. Yeah. 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 No, that, uh, that, that resonates uh, for sure. The other thing I wonder if, if, if we become more intentional about clarifying our objective, sometimes it may lead to having no conversation at all. If, if I could see if it's in a, if, it, if it's in a, in a workplace environment and you're, you're going to have a meeting and you're going to pull 25 people or five people even into a, some kind of a formal discussion, if you start to go down the objective exercise, you might realize there actually isn't a clear one or the outcome might not change whether we have this conversation or not. But Andrea, one of my, uh, one of my colleagues, uh, does that to me all the time. I request a meeting or want to have a conversation about something and she asks me if the outcome is going to change regardless of the conversation. And oftentimes the answer is no. And I'm like, okay, well, let's cancel that Zoom call. You're so right. You're absolutely right. And, you know, sometimes people, I know companies can get into the habit of having meetings just because we, it's a standing meeting. That's what we do. We meet every Wednesday or we meet every month because that's what we do. Um, and then you ask, well, what are you, what's your objective? 
well, I don't really have an objective. I just need to tell them. I just need to give them a status update or I just, right? So it's really all about you. And I'm like, well, just send them an email. You can put that in a PowerPoint deck. That's there. That doesn't require any kind of participation from other people. Um, If you just need them to know something rather than think or feel or do something differently, no need for a meeting. Isn't that great? You can give people their time back. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I want to remind people if they have questions for you, anyone has questions for Michelle, we'll get to as many of them as we can. Just be sure you put them in the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. Now, Michelle, I want to come back to charisma. So in the presentation trifecta, you mentioned charisma and presence. And I, I uh, often think I, I don't have a lot of charisma in my entire body. Uh, and, and But the other thing is, when I think about charisma, I start to think about these polished, real, really smooth talking professionals. I think of, you know, like a George Clooney or a Denzel Washington. Uh, and, I, and I think that I might be a little bit off course there. Can you touch on the charisma and presence model that you subscribe to and, and a little bit of the research behind what it actually is so, so people can get a, a, an, a real definition of what charisma is meant to be? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I think that everyone has charisma. Again, it goes back to, do you believe you have charisma? I really feel like that is the biggest obstacle for most people. Um, I said before, I believe that uh, charisma is really the, how much you believe in your personal power. And from what I've seen, people have a lot of beliefs that I call power dimming beliefs. They're, you know, their beliefs that, that just, just suck away all of their power. And when I started working with people in corporate environments around communication, you know, funny things happen when you put a person in front of a group of people. All of their fears come out, all of their anxieties, all of their insecurities start to come out. And I started to hear common language. I started to hear things like, Um, you know, uh, fears around or insecurities around being seen. Um, There's something wrong with me or, you know, not wanting to be vulnerable because you think that you're going to be somehow rejected, you know, that kind of language. Um, And that really has to do with authenticity. Uh, I started to hear language around um, lack of confidence. I'm not really good at this. Or, Or somebody told me, I'm not really good at this, therefore I shouldn't even try. I don't, you know, or, or I'm not as good as so-and-so. I started to hear a lot of apologetic language. Um, and that's, that's all around confidence. And then purpose, you know, people just like, I don't even know why I'm here. <laughs> you know, I don't even know w- what my job is, or I, I don't really believe in the importance of my role or my job or this thing that we're doing. And that's all around purpose. And so those beliefs, if you've got those beliefs, they're, they're going to just totally suck away any and all charisma that you have. And so the, chat, the, the opportunity then is how do you replace those power dimming beliefs with, with amplifying, power, empowering beliefs? And so if we can look at you know, what the research says around authenticity, confidence, and purpose, it's really very, very interesting. And the first place I'll start is that um, you know, there are some, some things that are baked into spotlight opportunities, especially when you're speaking one to many. There are a couple of things that, that are baked into that skill that I think freak out the brain and cause a lot of the anxiety around public speaking. 
And one is fear of uncertainty. And, you know, let's just face it, we can't control what other people do or think about us or say about us to a certain extent. There's a lot that's outside of our control. And there's a lot of research that shows that when people are faced with uncertainty, they go into an amygdala hijack. Right. It's called ambiguity aversion. When we're faced with ambiguous situations, uncertain situations that we perceive we don't have a lot of control over, the brain freaks out and we get nervous. The other thing that's baked into public speaking is there's a possibility of criticism. There's a possibility that people won't like you or won't like what you're saying, right? That's just baked into it. And the research shows that there is something called fear of negative evaluation. And that when faced with the possibility of being negatively evaluated or criticized, you go into an amygdala hijack. You, you want to, you go into fight or flight mode. You either get defensive or you want to run away, right? And I'm sure you've seen people stand up in front of a group and they're either just really kind of, you know, they've got a defensive posture or they're crossing their arms or they've got this very serious look on their face, right? That's the fight. Or they want to leave. You know, they're back in a halfway out of the room and you're like, what's going on? Or they're hiding. You know, those kinds of behaviors, they're, they're a result of a physiological response to our amygdala hijack because of fear of, of uncertainty or ambiguity aversion. And so if we can look at and kind of deconstruct authenticity, confidence, purpose, really look at what they are and start to adjust our inner game, they will naturally lead to the behaviors that we associate with presence, with charisma. So Michelle, how do you start to overcome some of those things? So the, like the uh, amygdala hijack and, and, and the fear as an example, uh, what are some tools and strategies that you have seen work successfully for people? Yeah, so going to the, uh, the that slide, that ACP slide. Yeah. So if we look, if we understand what authenticity, what confidence, what purpose are, because um, you know, those terms get thrown out around a lot, right? Well, just be authentic. And it's like, yeah, well, what is it? <laughs> what is it, first of all? Yeah. Uh, and how do I do it? Because if it were that easy, everyone would be authentic. Everyone would be confident. Everyone would be purposeful. But we know that's not the case. So what are they? So I define authenticity. The research shows there's you know, lots and lots of research around authenticity, lots of definitions of authenticity from different psychologists but there are some commonalities and generally the common thread is it's the degree to which you know yourself and show yourself. You need those two things in place. Yeah. So there's a self-awareness piece and then there's the comfort with showing your core authentic self with others because you can be, you can know yourself, but not be comfortable showing yourself and you can show yourself, but not be showing your real authentic self. So you really need both of those in place. So when I'm working with people around authenticity, um, I'm getting them to think about their personal strengths, not just professional strengths, not just relying on the competence, but what are your personal strengths? What are your inherent strengths? What, are you, what do people know you for? Are you, um, do you have a warm personality? Do you have a great sense of humor? Are you somebody that's really reliable? 
um, are, you know, what are those personal qualities and characteristics that make you, you, what are your values? What's important to you? That's very, very important when it comes to authenticity. Um, knowing your, you know, is it loyalty? Is it, does it, do you value education? Do you value being kind to people? What are those, what are those core values that make you, you? Um, looking at your, um, your lived experience. What are those things in your lived experience, your personal history? What's your personal narrative and how deeply do you connect to that? I, oftentimes I'll ask uh, clients that I'm working with, what's a story from your life that encapsulates and illustrates who you are as a person? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, a, really think about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, Michelle, that is great advice and very, um, very tangible uh, uh, the, the strengths thing really hit me is, is to like to sit down and do an exercise of all the things that you think you're good at. I wonder about the power if you're struggling in that as well, asking the people that know you best, if, how, how, you know, how that fits in. There's this really cool exercise from the University of Michigan called the Reflective Best Self. And I don't know if you've ever seen that before. And it's basically you, start, you ask a cross-section of people that have known you for a long time, colleagues, friends, family. When do you, what, what environments do you show up as your best self? And then you look for patterns and themes across those stories. And uh, it's a really, really powerful exercise. I could see how it would, uh, how it would uh, significantly help you on that authenticity piece. That is valuable information. It's really valuable, especially because I see a lot of, of people, especially in the corporate environment, subject matter experts, you know, we're used to, we're, we think that our value is only in what we know in terms of, you know, our skill set or our specialized, you know, uh, uh, set of, of information. And we're used to leading with that when we've also got all these other personal resources that we can use to call upon so that we're bringing our full self into that situation that we can rely on. You know, for me, Jeff, you know, I know that I can, I'm quick on my feet, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I can improvise, I can roll with the punches. And so if I get into a situation where I may not be as strong in my, my competence, I'm not as, I can't really rely on that. You know what? I'll figure it out. I'm resourceful. I'll connect with people. That's a personal skill that I can absolutely bring into a situation and is very, very valuable. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, really understanding who you are as an individual and, and, and appreciating who you are. That's yeah. really the key because you can know yourself, but do you really appreciate who you are? And when I see people have this newfound appreciation where they're like, you know what, actually, I'm really, I'm a cool person. I'm like, yeah, you are. You know, you see their presence start to like, wow, there's why, why would I be hiding myself? Why wouldn't I want to share myself with people in the room? So that's a really core piece of, yeah. of charisma is authenticity. Yeah, absolutely. I want to finish up on this model. And I know we have an example of purpose as well. We have some questions that are starting to come in. So keep those questions coming in the Q&A box. We've got a few really, really good questions. They're sitting there right now. Um, so yeah, Michelle, let's, let's continue on with, uh, with the ACP model and, uh, and then let's move on to the, uh, the purpose example. And then I want, to, I want to get some of these questions uh, fed over to you. Awesome. Awesome. So confidence, you know, confidence, but the belief in your ability, again, it's about belief. You can be really good at something, but not believe that you are. 
And so uh, again, you know, you can be underconfident relative to your actual competence at something, and you can be overconfident relative to your actual competence. It's really about what you believe in here. And I, and I uh, talked about this, I touched on this a little bit before. I've, I've seen a lot of people who have been really harmed by um, maybe feedback that they've gotten from you know, coaches, teachers, parents, maybe even bosses, that has really kind of given them a limiting belief about their ability. And so really thinking about confidence in terms of, you know, what, what do I believe about my, my skills here? What, what evidence do I have that shows me that I'm good at what I do? What are my success stories that I can call upon in a professional capacity? Because you, everyone has success stories that they can turn to as proof that they are good at what they do. Yeah. And so really having those stories in your back pocket so that when you feel your confidence get a little shaky, you can go, no, 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 no. I've done this before. Remember that time when I did that? Yeah. You know, let's start to start to challenge those limiting beliefs around your confidence and uh, your competence at something. The other thing is authenticity actually boosts your, conf your confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Studies have shown that if you do a self-affirmation exercise, kind of similar to what you were talking about before, Jeff, where you journal uh, right before your uh, journal around your values or a time when you were living out your values or a time when you were being your best self right before a high stakes engagement, that that actually lowers your anxiety and it boosts your confidence. Yeah. So, um, you know, thinking about locus of control, am I giving away my power in this situation? How much do I believe that I have that I can impact the outcome in this situation? Yeah. Or do, am I feeling out of control? Let me take some of that control back. Yeah. Um, so doing those kinds of mental exercises. And yeah. then lastly, we come to purpose. Yeah, and Michelle, I was gonna I was gonna interject with I I really appreciate your advice of of going back into your own history to come up with actual examples. And I've I've never been a subscriber to the when it comes to confidence, the fake it till you make it. That's just never felt right to me because it doesn't feel authentic. And uh, we all have periods uh, and uh, where we don't feel very confident about our uh, capabilities or. Uh, the task that we've been handed or the presentation we're about to make or the audience is bigger than we're, than we're used to, uh, but it, being able to draw on some situations where we have actually demonstrated uh, uh, capability and success, I, I, can, I can totally see how that would help build authentic, uh, meaningful confidence that'll get, that'll get you through what you're about to do. Absolutely. Yeah, and then present, I mean, and then purpose. Um, purpose is really interesting. And I feel like people really resonate with, there's a lot of talk around purpose now. And, I, and yeah. I feel like it's usually talked about in terms of what is your entire purpose of your, of your life. And I, and I hear a lot of what I call purpose shaming, yeah. <laughs> shaming people because they haven't figured out what they're supposed to do with their life. That's not really what I mean by purpose, because you can create purpose in the moment. You can attach purpose to any situation that you're going into. It's really about being clear about what you are contributing and, and using that as your, as your guiding vision for what you wanna create in that moment. And so purpose, um, you can create a great uh, purpose for yourself by connecting it to 
an intrinsic value, something that is intrinsic to you rather than an external reward. You know, I want a promotion or I want recognition or something, nothing wrong with those things. But the study, the research shows that if you can be motivated by something that's internal, I think Daniel Pink did a lot of, of, of research around this in Driven, uh, the book Driven, where he talks about autonomy, mastery, right? Um, what's, what's important to me, and this connects back to your authenticity. How does this connect back to uh, something that is important to me? It can be, I want to gain mastery in this thing. I want to learn about myself. I want to learn other about other people. Um, I want to be of service in some way. There are so many different ways to create a purpose that connects to an intrinsic reward. Yeah. And the other thing around purpose, finding a purpose or creating a purpose for yourself, is to be motivated by something instead of avoiding a situation, it's, it's approach-oriented. So for example, I pay my taxes, not for, you know, because I want to be a, a, a contributing citizen to my country. I pay my taxes because I don't want to go to jail for tax yeah. evasion, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that relates to the next slide. I, I, I'm a big proponent of creating what I call purpose statements, right? And so this is just really thinking about, this is different than your objective. Your, obje your, your objective is what you want to accomplish, what you want people to walk out and do. Your purpose statement is why you're there. Yeah. So yeah. your objective is the what, purpose is the why. And so when I will often hear, pe um, hear people talk about their upcoming engagements, or I'll ask them, why are you in the room? Why are, why are you there? They'll They'll, they'll give me the goddess. I call it the goddess. Well, I just gotta, I just gotta report on this, these numbers. I just gotta, you know, do this thing. So, you know, the gotta. And, and so I just want your audience right now to just take a moment and read these two statements to yourself. And just notice what you notice as you're reading them, physiologically, psychologically. Yeah, it's a much, it's a much different feeling, just changing the language, which would completely change the way you show up in that conversation or that meeting. And, and, and this was, this was one of the aspects of the work that you do, Michelle, that I was uh, uh, maybe even most interested to, to talk about, because it, uh, doing the large presentations, uh, for example, they don't always happen you know, on a weekly basis for most of us. Uh, and then, but these other interactions like this one right here where it's a management team meeting or it's a town hall with your 25 of your employees, instead of the gotta uh, turning it around and having a very purposeful uh, intention around why you're doing it, what your part of the agenda is, I can see how that would completely change how you present it. And thinking about every opportunity that you have to interact with another person is a chance for you to either increase your presence and your credibility or lower it. And I know which side of that I'd like to be on. And, and it takes a bit more intention and a bit, and a bit more thought. So I know that, that's, um, that's very powerful, uh, uh, Michelle. So we have some questions here and I, I want to get to them because there's, there's just some great questions coming in here. This is one I, I wasn't really thinking about in terms of, uh, this is a mentoring one. So, uh, so Bev asks, when mentoring new leaders, how would you suggest encouraging experiences that allow for their charisma, their personal charisma to shine? So is it about leadership confidence or intentionally providing opportunities to, to build that? Both. 
Yes, both. So one of them is, is yes, I, I really think that spotlight opportunities can be used as a tool for talent development. Um, you know, as you're thinking about those next generation, that next generation generation of leaders, giving them an opportunity, it could be five minutes at your next meeting, you know, to, to get up and talk about something that they, you know, I want to talk about this process, or I want to talk about this solution, or I want to talk about something that's important to me that I'm seeing giving them practice at sharing their voice. But then the mentoring and coaching can come in with the authenticity, confidence, and purpose that we've been talking about. Making sure that the feedback that you're giving to people is supportive rather than destructive. Um, You know, like like I mentioned before, when people are in a position of authority and people are looking up to you, those words that you say to someone can be so damaging. I've seen it. I've seen people go, you know, I'm just not good at this, or I've got the, I got this feedback years ago from this boss about my voice, you know, the way my voice sounds. So they've changed their voice to sound a different way based on that boss's feedback. So just being mindful of how you're supporting and coaching people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Uh, Here's another uh, great question. So sometimes charisma is viewed as being big, bold, and loud. Uh, I would agree with that, the misconception. Uh, and and, and um, what is your advice to someone who may be more soft-spoken and more of an introvert? How is it best for introverts to, to display confidence and capture a room? And I, and I want to preface this with, like, there's so much research, Michelle, on one of the things that gets in the way of, of uh, building high-performing teams is the loudest person in the room often carries the influence and the, and the decision-making power. And uh, how often have we seen that the quietest person in the room has the most important, compelling things to say and offer? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this goes to extroversion, uh, you know, people who are, who prefer extroversion, who think out loud versus people who they need a little bit more time to, to, you know, get their thoughts together, to consider. They're usually just more thoughtful people in general. And so, you know, in a meeting context, making sure that you are facilitating and, and, and encouraging people to share their voice, giving time for reflection if that's needed from people. But also I'll say, you know, especially those spotlight opportunities where you do have to stand in front of a group, it is an extroverted activity. Yeah, it just is right. But that doesn't mean that someone who prefers introversion can't be effective because again, it's about authenticity. It's about confidence and it's about purpose. It's not about bravado. Bravado is actually false confidence. I don't believe in in bravado. Yeah. Um, But you can be, you can have quiet strength. I've seen really great leaders who have quiet strength and when they speak, they may be more soft-spoken, but because they believe in themselves, again, it goes back to my definition of, of charisma, which is your yeah. belief in your personal power. Because they believe that they can have an impact, they have charisma. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I want to remind people too, when, uh, when the show is over today, we're, we are giving away a $50 shop local gift card just for filling out the feedback for him. You'll get entered into that draw. So don't forget to provide us with the feedback. Uh, so uh, some other th- you know, things that are making me curious about this, uh, Michelle. So how we're perceived. I have this sort of this fear of, of uh, uh, thinking I'm perceived one way and then the people that I work with or interact with are perceiving me in a completely different way. How do we know if we're not being perceived in the way that we wish we were or we want to be? Yeah, that's so interesting. 
So one part of that, I think, is being intentional about how you want to be perceived. Um, I often ask people, how do you want people to perceive you? And they'll go, huh, I never thought about that. So if you don't know how you want to come across, how do you then embody those qualities? Yeah. Do you want to be perceived as warm? Do you want to be perceived as confident? Do you want to be perceived as trusting or as trustworthy? You know, really, really clarifying for yourself, this is the impression that I want to make on people. And so if that's what I want to do, then these are the behaviors that I have to engage in in order to be perceived that way. Right. Um, and then the other thing is just getting feedback from people. Yeah. Um, you know, not being afraid to hear from people. Here's, here's how I think I'm coming across, but you tell me, <laughs> you know, and really syncing up those two things, you know, um, what you, who you think you are versus who other people think you are. There's often a disconnect there. Um, but yeah. yeah, it starts with being more intentional. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it hi and it highlights the importance of having a, a, a deep level of trust with, uh, with at least, a f at least a few people that are in your circle that are not just supporters, but are, are there to challenge you a little bit as well. Uh, some self-deprecation can help, I find, as well, too. If you really want truthful feedback, be a bit critical of yourself first, and it, and it somehow gives people permission to be a little harsher on you than they might have anyways. Humility. Humility yeah. is so important. Yeah, and, and I, that's, it's an important point, though. You know, charisma doesn't mean that you're not also humble. Yeah. Right? Because it yeah. goes back to that false bravado thing. False yeah. bravado is, I've got it all going on, and I'm perfect. Nah, you're always, you always have room to, to grow and room to learn. Michelle, something else I'm curious about around is uh, I'm around, around gender differences. There was a, an interesting article that Alison Fergale posted last week. And, and one of the things it talked about was uh, women are far less likely than men to self-promote. And to me, this ties in nicely with, with, with what you do. Do you see gender differences in, uh, in presentation style and, and using your framework and people showing up with, uh, with presence uh, um, in the work that you do? Yeah, I, I think that has to do with, from what I've heard, and I've asked this question, I feel like women have seen uh, bad examples of self-promotion. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're used to seeing people again with that false bravado and talking themselves up. Um, but there's another way that you can promote yourself that isn't about ego. You can promote yourself in terms of being of service, right? It, I say it this way. If I'm a really good plumber, and I hear that you just got your, you know, you've got some, a busted water pipe in your house. Am I being egotistical if I tell you that I'm a good plumber? No, no. <laughs> you need that. You yeah. should probably know I'm doing you a, a, a service by letting you know, Hey, I have this skill. I can help you. And so I think if people can kind of reframe how to talk about their strengths, because I'm a, I, I'm a big proponent of telling people what your strengths are so that they know how to use you. Um, and so I feel like women, we've, we've just seen some bad examples and we think that that's ego when in fact it's, it can be of service if you're framing it that way and, and, and using that language as well. I know that you're trying to do X, Y, Z. Here's yeah. where I think I can help. That's self-promotion. It's just not coming from a place of ego. Right. 
Michelle, you've also said that the, the face of leadership is changing. And I was, I was curious for you to elaborate on that. What, what are you seeing uh, in, in the world of leadership that, it, that is evolving and changing? Well, you know, we are living in crazy times, Jeff, right? Yeah. Um, I think that we are in a time where we're looking for leaders who are authentic. We're looking for leaders who are in the business of leadership for the quote unquote right reasons, which for me is about being of service. It's, it goes back to being that servant leader rather than self-promotion, rather than making it all about you and you looking good. And I think a lot of that is driven by what's going on in the world today. We're just seeing a shift in, in what's needed from leaders. We're seeing a breakdown in leadership. I also think it's driven by uh, the younger generation that's coming into the workforce who really do want to be more authentic in their, in their work. They want to come in wearing purple hair or wearing piercings or, you know, they, they, want, they want to be who they are at work um, the same as they are, you know, when they're not at work. And, and so I think people are looking for that from their, from their leaders as well. And so, you know, that requires a different skill set. Um, it requires those quote unquote soft skills, uh, you know, that, that are, to me, they're not soft at all. They are hard skills. Uh, tons and tons of research that connects the bottom line uh, and performance of organizations to soft skills. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, being able to be an authentic leader, being able to be vulnerable, being able to, to share what you're not good at as well as what you are good at so that you're leaving room for your team to shine, not being afraid to say, you know what, I'm a little off today. I'm not, I'm not at my best today. Um, rather than putting up that face of, you know, I've got to have it all going on all the time we know you don't have it going on, you know, all the time. So just be transparent about that. Um, and I think that, that that's something that people are looking for. And I think they really appreciate it when they see it in leaders. Yeah. Yeah. And in the, in the one minute that we have left, Michelle, you, you alluded to it. There's a lot going on in the world right now. Are you more encouraged or less encouraged by what you're seeing right now? Are we somehow through all of the, the strife and struggle, are we moving in a better direction or not? How are you feeling about everything right now? Well, I'm definitely an optimist. I'm a glass half full person. And I really do believe that despite all the challenges that we're facing right now and the pain of all of those challenges, um, I think that it's necessary for us to kind of, you know, get everything from, from under the carpet, from where, you know, where things have been rotting. Uh, we need to get it all out, see everything, and so we know what we're dealing with. And so we can all decide who we want to be and decide what our contribution is going to be. So I ultimately think, you know, we're in the middle of it right now. It's like being in labor, you know, we're, we're in labor pains right now, but we will get through it and we will get, you know, to it on the other side. And what will make this positive when we get to the other side is if everybody's doing their part. And that means looking at themselves, yeah. you know, doing that inner work that personal development work so that when we come out on the other side, everybody's like, Ooh, here's what I'm here to do. You know, here's how I want to jump in. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. 
it's been a pleasure to spend this hour with you. And you've given the audience uh, so many incredible tools, powerful, simple tools that they can start using right away to show up with more influence and more credibility, whether it's a small gathering of people and colleagues or a large presentation. Uh, thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing those insights. Uh, uh, just incredible way uh, to, to, uh, to spend a Thursday morning. Uh, so thank you to the audience as well for joining us. Now to stay connected, you can follow Michelle on Twitter, you can also uh, follow her on LinkedIn. She's very active on LinkedIn with some great content. And you can track her down on her website at speechqueen.co. That's not a spelling error. It's not .com. It's .co, .co. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if you have questions for us, you can contact us at info at unleashresults.com. And then for today's recording, later this afternoon, you can find that on our blog, right on our website at unleashresults.com backslash blog. And after the show, as we said, fill out the feedback form. We are going to give away a $50 gift card. So all you have to do is fill out the feedback, score the show, any insights that you want to share. We'll do a draw tomorrow morning, and you could be the lucky winner of a $50 gift card for any store of your choosing, right in your local neighborhood, no matter where you're from in the world. And then, of course, as we, uh, as we look to later in the fall, at the end of October, on October 29th, we're going to be running Bex Exchange a half day leadership event all around leading to thrive in a world of relentless change with one of season one speakers, Sarah Noel Wilson. There's over 300 people registered for this event already. We hope you can join us. And then next week, we look forward to hosting Jerry O'Brien, <clears throat> who is a marketing expert from Denver, Colorado. And he's gonna cut through the myths of why customers actually buy from us. He's got a very, very powerful research-based backed uh, framework that he's gonna take us through to drive more revenue, to close more deals, get more sales. So you don't wanna miss Jerry, the marketing expert uh, next week. Great to be back with everybody today. Look forward to seeing you uh, throughout the season. Until then, be kind to each other and uh, listen intently. We all have an interesting perspective and uh, they're all valid. So take care everyone, have a great week.